Good evening, everyone. Merry Christmas. It's an honor to be here bringing God's Word uh, to you tonight. If you have brought a Bible with you, I'd invite you to turn uh, to the Gospel of John, chapter 12. Uh, If you did not bring a Bible but would like to follow along, there should be one around you in one of those, uh, the back of the seat there in front of you. Uh, You should be able to find a Bible, and on those Bibles that we have provided there, uh, it's on page 899. Uh, We're going to be looking at one verse in John chapter 12. If you are here and you don't own a Bible, we would be delighted for you to take one of those Bibles there as a gift from us. Maybe go back to the beginning of John's gospel and just start reading there. Uh, We would love to help you along in your journey of uh, knowing the Lord Jesus. If you would want to pick up a Bible, uh, I'd be glad to talk with you after the service. My name is Larry. Uh, I'll be standing at the, at the back on your way out. Uh, we have on Sunday mornings in December, we have been looking at statements that Jesus made uh, about why he came. So we've looked at a few of those. We'll be looking at another of those tomorrow morning, uh, Lord willing. Uh, in, uh, also in John's gospel, but this evening we're looking at just one verse, one statement that Jesus made about what it is that he had come for, and we find that statement in John chapter 12, verse 46. So I'm just going to read that one verse to you. John 12, verse 46, Jesus said, I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. I'll read that verse again since it's so brief. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Would you pray with me for a moment? Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for this opportunity to gather. Uh, We we are needy for your help in this time as we would open your word. Uh, We need your Holy Spirit to shine light into our hearts to give us the light of understanding, uh, the light of conviction where that's needed, the light of encouragement where that is needed. And so we pray, uh, Father, that your spirit would be present among us mightily in this time. Uh, It is your spirit who gives life. Uh, The flesh is no help at all. And the words that you have spoken, they are spirit and they are life. So renew us strengthen us, and even if it would be your will, Father, we'd ask that you would give some spiritual life this evening as they would consider your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, it's, it is the most wonderful time of the year. That is what they say. That is what they sing. I have even received uh, a Christmas card here and there that makes that proclamation. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And I have to be honest with you, at least in my personal opinion, I think that is crazy. I know some of you are thinking that is such a predictable Larry Lazarus thing to say. Please hear me out. It is is inconceivable to me at least, I don't impose this upon you, it is inconceivable to me that a time of year could be described as the most wonderful time of the year When I walk outside at 4.30 in the afternoon and it is practically dark completely, that is not wonderful. That is not encouraging. I do not find that helpful. I'm not sure that anyone honestly would say that that's the most wonderful time of the year. I understand Christmas. You're going to have a lovely time this weekend. But that's just not wonderful to me. Uh, At least I do have confidence as I came here 
this evening, and it was so dark, at least I had confidence that tomorrow morning the sun would rise again and there would be daylight. But imagine, as we came in here and the sun was going down, imagine that as we arrived here and that sun went down, that it never came up again. Boo is right. Kids, I welcome you to just participate along. <laughs> the Tyrells are thinking, please don't give them that invitation. But <laughs> imagine a world with absolutely no light. No, no sun, which means the moon has nothing to reflect. Uh, no small radiated light from the stars in the sky. Zero light. No lamps, no iPhones, no glow of a fire, zero light. It's not possible to live that way. We would be completely ruined in a world full of nothing but blinding darkness. Maybe you've experienced a little taste of how troubling darkness is, perhaps in a power outage or some other time when you have not been able to see where you've been going, how helpless that feels, how scary, how disorienting it could be. Uh, kids, I, I know maybe you don't want to admit this, but some of you, I trust, are a little bit afraid of the dark. I've never known a kid who's afraid of daylight. But kids can be afraid of the dark. Maybe you have a little light in your room, a night light, so that you don't have to be in pitch darkness because nobody wants to be in pitch black dark all the time. Now, this, this word from Jesus that I just read to you a couple of minutes ago declares that this, this is the spiritual condition of every person who lives apart from Christ. They are people trying to go around and live their lives while living in complete spiritual darkness. Jesus said, I've come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. And the implication of that statement is that everyone who is not believing in the Lord Jesus continues on, remains in, abides in darkness. What does Jesus mean when he says that? That those who don't believe in him are remaining in darkness. Well, at, at the most basic level, Jesus is referring to the darkness of ignorance of him, ignorance of the knowledge of God, dullness to, deadness to, the reality of the existence and the glory of God. The Apostle Paul refers to this spiritual darkness when he writes to the church in Ephesus, those who have come into the light of Jesus Christ, those who are no longer darkness but have become light in the Lord through faith in Jesus, he writes to the church in Ephesus that they're not to be like the unbelieving world. And the way he describes the unbelieving world is to say that they are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. 
He says people in the world without Jesus are darkened in their understanding it because they're ignorant of God. And that ignorant is not like a pitiable ignorance. It is a willful and culpable uh, ignorance due to hardness of heart. Paul says in another place in Romans chapter one that, that this darkness is due to suppressing the truth about God in unrighteousness. Human beings suppress the truth about him. They refuse to honor him as God or give thanks to him. And he says that their foolish hearts in doing this, their foolish hearts were darkened. And we can see this kind of darkness acted out actually in the surrounding context of this verse in John 12 that we're isolating uh, this evening. The, 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 the background of these verses is that John is, is marking a transition point. He's concluding one part of his narrative of Jesus' life and he's beginning another one. So he's recorded for us the public ministry of Jesus. And what's gonna happen in chapter 13 and on is he's going to show uh, Jesus preparing his disciples privately and intimately for his departure. So this is the end of Jesus' public ministry. And if you have that Bible still open, if you look up to verse 36, Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while uh, longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. And then John says, when Jesus said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. That's the darkness Jesus is talking about. Though he had done so many signs among them. And if you're familiar with John's gospel, you know John has recorded a number of these signs. Though he had turned water into wine in front of them. Though he had healed an official son by his mere word from miles away. Though he had raised up the paralytic and made him walk by his command. Though he had fed thousands of people with just five loaves and a couple of fish. Though he had walked on water, demonstrating his rule even over the mighty sea. Though he had opened the eyes of a man born blind. Though he had commanded a dead man to rise up and walk out of his grave, who'd been dead for four days. Though he had done all of these signs in their presence, yet still, John says, they didn't believe in him. It's a deeply disturbing and vivid picture of what it means to live in captivity to darkness, to be blind and dead to spiritual reality and unable because unwilling to perceive Jesus' true worth and glory. And that's how it is and that's how it remains even today amongst so many people, perhaps amongst some of you gathered here this evening that though he has showered gift after gift after gift, we sing sometimes a song saying 10,000 reasons, but millions and millions of reasons over a lifetime. He's showered kindness and goodness upon us, but so many people ignore him. 
deny him, reject him. And when one wrong thing happens in their lives, they call him to account as if he's in the wrong. Or they say they don't believe because he's not given me enough evidence. It's darkness. Jesus says in another, uh, earlier in John's gospel, in chapter three, Jesus says, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. It's not that God has not given us enough evidence, beloved. It's that people do wicked things and they don't want to come to the light because they don't want their wickedness to be exposed. And that judgment that Jesus speaks of is also depicted in the Bible as darkness. Jesus warns people of being cast into outer darkness. I just, you know, Jim commented on the, the, uh, the weather and the harsh cold outside. I just thought to myself as I, I was walking in, I was out for a walk early this morning. It was not quite as windy. But when I just walked from my car in here, like, I, I just thought to myself, knowing what I was getting ready to talk about, I just thought, outer dark, just pitch black at 4.50, or what, what time? No, we got here at like 5.15. Totally black, harshly cold, and I just imagined being in that condition forever. It, that's the darkness that Jesus warns of for those who resist him and reject him. It, it's a case of the punishment fitting the crime. Those who choose to live in the darkness of rejecting God will be handed over to that fate forever. I want to say that again. We do not begrudge crying babies in this church. I just want you to understand that. I want you to understand that, Michelle. We do not begrudge crying babies at all. We love to hear crying babies because crying babies means life in the church. But I will say that sentence again because I know some of you did not hear me, and it's important. Those who choose to live in the darkness of rejecting God will be handed over to that fate forever. Because of sin, the world is under the righteous judgment of a holy God, and all of us sinners have been, because of our sin, because, our, because of our preference to live in the darkness of our own self-exaltation, we all have been separated from the shining, brilliant light of God's countenance. That, that's why we see so much brokenness and corruption and decay consuming the world, even as Jim prayed about a few minutes ago. Their signposts, the brokenness, the injustice, the pain, the disease, the war, the corruption in this world are signposts pointing us to the deep and everlasting darkness to come on those who continue in rejection of the true and living God who is the author of all life and light. But we have not gathered here this evening to wallow in the misery of our darkness. Praise God. Christmas is the announcement of good news, right? Good news of great joy that in his breathtaking love, 
God Almighty sent his beloved son. The Lord Jesus came into this sin-ravaged world to bring the light of his love into the darkness of our own distorted devotion to ourselves. That's what the Lord had promised to his wayward, rebellious, and judgment-worthy people through the prophet Isaiah. We heard uh, readings from the book of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, the Lord promised through the prophet Isaiah, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has light shone. And the apostle Matthew, he tells us specifically in Matthew chapter four, that was talking about Jesus. Jesus is that light who came to shine into a land of deep darkness. And that light would not just shine for the ethnic people of Israel, whom Isaiah was prophesying to, but it would be a light that would shine for all the nations of the earth. Again, Isaiah chapter 49, in which God the Father speaks to his servant, whom we know now as the Lord Jesus. He says, it's too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. And so it came to be, that in the fullness of time, in fulfillment of God's covenantal promises to his people, Jesus of Nazareth came from heaven to earth and proclaimed for all who would give heed, for all who would hear, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness, may not remain in the darkness of self-rule and self-exaltation, and may not remain in the darkness of judgment that befalls those who persist in self-exaltation and self-rule. He came for whoever would believe in him. Jesus is not merely a Jewish savior, He is not merely a Gentile savior. He's not merely the savior of educated people or of Western people or of white middle class people. He is the savior of the whole world. Whoever believes in him may not remain in darkness, but as he says in John 8, may have the light of life. He came into the world as light to live the perfect life of devotion to God that you and I, all of us have failed to and to die to complete that obedience to God by dying on the cross as a sacrifice in the place of all those who deserve the eternal darkness of his judgment in hell. He came to rescue all who would turn from their sins and trust in him. If it weren't Christmas Eve, we might sing. Actually, I think this is a good Christmas Eve song. Uh, Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Because Jesus came to shine light into our darkness. Jesus came to turn on the light so that we could see God for who he is and thus see ourselves for who we are and thus turn from our evil and wretched sin and find life in him. If people knew, if people knew what it is 
uh, who it is that would judge them. They would not reject Jesus. If people knew, if they could see spiritually how glorious Jesus is, how wondrous his love is, how magnificent his heaven is, if they could see something of the eternal horror of what sin is, the sorrow that it brings, the death that it chains people to, they would not reject Jesus. But their hearts are hard. Our hearts have been hard. Our minds have been darkened. But Jesus came 2,000 years ago, and he came to turn on the lights so that we could see, so that we could see I'm not really free. I'm actually enslaved to my sin. I'm not actually alive. I'm dead. I'm not living the good life. I am without God and without hope in the world. By the light of Jesus shining, as we see something of the radiance of his purity, we see sin for what it really is in all of its ugliness and, and catastrophic disgust. We see this, this sin of mine, this self-rule of mine, it separates me from God. It destines me for hell. It enslaves and imprisons and it chokes out all life and freedom and joy. That's what the light of Jesus begins to shine, but it doesn't just shine that, it shines that despite all of that, despite who we are and what we were, we're loved by God. That's why the song concludes, amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? When we were plunging our way through the darkness, hating him, rebelling against him, he came and laid down his life for us. How can it be? That's what he's opened our eyes to. And the light of that amazing love, the, that light shining into our hearts, it doesn't only testify to that present reality that we know that if we have trusted in Jesus, we've been forgiven of our sins and our conscience has been cleansed and we've been adopted into God's family. But it testifies to the strong and vibrant and enthralling hope that we heard described earlier from Isaiah chapter 60. I know that was a long reading that Stan and Rita did for us, and I commend it to, your, 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 uh, to you for your, your study, but it, it speaks of a world that has been totally healed and made right of all darkness. We're still longing for that day, aren't we? We're still longing for that coming of Jesus, that second coming of Jesus. Right now, we have, we, even us who are in the light, we who have come into the light of Jesus, we still grieve over the remaining corruption and brokenness in us and in the world, do we not? Uh, forgive me for adding two more minutes to this message, but I just read this this morning. It is not in my notes, but in, in, I've been reading through Isaiah in my devotions, and I read Isaiah 66 this morning, and... and um, I was reading a different translation that this Old Testament scholar put together, and I had never read Isaiah 66 too, quite this way. It says, this is the one to whom I will look, to he, and the way he had it translated, he who is downtrodden and crippled in spirit and trembles at my word. And that just hit me like a ton of bricks this morning. Because this, this is my 23rd Christmas that I'm celebrating in the light Right, since I came to know Jesus, this is the 23rd, and I have never been so aware of how crippled my spirit still is. 
I've never been so aware of that as I am this Christmas. But Isaiah 60 promises, because he came once, because he came the first time, he's going to come again. And my heart is going to thrill. And I will be radiant. And so will all of you who look to the Lord Jesus. On that day when he comes again, which is guaranteed because he came the first time, the sun shall be no more your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light, but the Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. Your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself, for the Lord will be your everlasting light and your days of mourning shall be ended. Oh, I want, can I just tell you about that world a little bit more? You could say no, but I know that's not, no one's really going to say that. I have the mic. I'm not giving it up quite yet. Here's what one departed saint has said of that happy world. Oh, what joy will be when we are perfectly prepared for joy, and that joy is perfectly prepared by Christ. We will make it our work and our business eternally to rejoice. Our joy is the joy of the Lord, and we will enter his joy. You poor soul who now prays for joy, waits for joy, complains for lack of joy, and longs for joy, behold, then you will have full joy, as much as you can hold and more than you ever conceived or your heart desired. We will then have joy without sorrow, rest without weariness. There will be none of those waves in that harbor that now so toss us up and down. One moment we're at the gates of heaven. In the next, we're almost as low as hell. Today, we are well, and we conclude that the bitterness of death is past. Tomorrow, we are sick and conclude that we will shortly perish by our illness. But there is none of this inconstancy in heaven. Perfect joy must cast out sorrow, and perfect happiness will exclude all remnants of our misery. Our first and earthly paradise in Eden had a way out, but no way back in that we could find. This eternal paradise has a way in, but no way out again. It is the saints' everlasting rest. I'm really looking forward to that. That's the light that Jesus came to make possible. That's the light that Jesus is. John, John, the apostle John, draws on that passage in Isaiah 60 when he describes that wonderful picture of the new heavens and the new earth in Revelation 21 and 22. He says, there's no need for the, 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 the light of the sun because the lamb will be its lamp. The glory of Jesus will shine and be our joy and no one will take our joy from us, brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what Jesus came for. Why would you refuse him today? If you are here this morning and you came in refusing Jesus, maybe you don't feel like you hate Jesus. Like, I, I don't care about, I, I'm not like opposed to it or anything. Your, your lack of regard for him is a form of hatred of him because he deserves our all. Why would you refuse him? 
if you've been brought here today not trusting in Jesus, I trust that you've been brought here today specifically to hear me say to you, I've been talking for a while, I am very close to being done, but I want you to hear me very carefully because I believe this is the reason why he's brought you here today. Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, is a good God and a loving God. And he wills, he desires to be glorified in saving a people from all nations. You have been given life and breath to know this God and to honor this God, and you have failed miserably to do so. I have too. I'm I'm standing over you, but I speak as one who knows what it is like to fail miserably to honor him. You have failed to do it. And if you know yourself to be one who has failed miserably to do it, if you know yourself to be in that kind of darkness, in rebellion against God, I have wonderful news for you. Not because I came up with it, because it's the good news of God's holy word that Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth to lay down his life and die on the cross to suffer the eternal torment that you deserve so that you could find life and light and joy in him. Through believing upon him and turning away from sin, turning away from that impulse to live your life for you and pledging yourself now to him, to his glory for the rest of your days and he will aid you by his spirit if you would call out to him today. Why would you withhold that? You do not know how many times you will have left to hear that message. I have been so moved this week thinking about this message and thinking about the death of Franco Harris. I don't know how many of you even know who Franco Harris is because maybe he's not, I don't, I don't know how much of that news gets out beyond the sports world, but Franco Harris was a very famous football player and on Tuesday, he was out meeting with fans, doing PR stuff for the Steelers. He was, he was just living his life on Tuesday and Wednesday morning, he did not wake up in this world. You do not know how many more Christmas Eves you will have to hear this good news. Please don't ignore that. Cry out to Jesus today. We we would be delighted. Anyone sitting around you, myself, we would be delighted to help you understand what it means to repent and believe in him. But don't just hear this message and walk out and just go on living your life. You do not know how many more days you will have. For those of you that have come to know and love Jesus, please be reminded this Christmas. Whether this weekend is one of of pain for you, whether you feel crippled in spirit especially, or whether there's exceedingly great joys that you are knowing this weekend, please know that all the, the deepest misery and pit that you could possibly be in or the highest joys and thrills you could possibly know do not compare with the immeasurably great gift that you have received in Jesus, the gift of being called out of darkness and brought into his marvelous light. Rejoice this Christmas and give him glory. Love you, brothers and sisters. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you and we praise you for your kindness to us in Jesus. We thank you for shining light into our hearts. We were dead, we were blind, we were hostile and hard-hearted. And not because of any merit in us, but because of your own sovereign and free grace, you shone light into our dead hearts. You made us see, you caused us to live, we rose, went forth, and we followed you. Draw out from us more and more of the glory that you are due from us for such rich and undeserved mercy. 
And we do pray that you would make your light shine in the hearts of those who still refuse you. Help them to see the darkness of their way and grant them to find life and light in our Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.